Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Come on, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, in my opinion, Matt, we just saw the most interesting practice of the Kyle Shanahan era. We saw the debut of a quarterback mix and match where the 49ers were literally substituting Trey Lance for Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo for Trey Lance mid-drive. We saw Nick Bosa's return to the practice field, which included a sack on his very first pass rush back from the ACL tear. We saw Jaquaski Tart make his return to practice. And he actually hit Jalen Hurd, who returned to practice and had a couple nice gains. And we also saw D. Ford uh, put together an impressive session. And all this happened within a game week practice, which we typically never get to see. I don't think we've seen a game week practice during the Shanahan era because those are normally closed to reporters. This time it was open because the NFL is mandating that all practices are op- fully open to the media until tomorrow, until August 26th or today when you're listening to this. So it's, I, I mean, just so much stuff. And wow, I, I just I just left that pa- practice field um, really happy to see so much in one practice because I never thought that would happen. But I don't even know. Where, where do you want to start, Matt? Well, I mean, usually Nick Bosa returning to practice would be number one, but um, I think that the quarterbacks was the most interesting because, I mean, we've we've suspected, I'll put it that way, for a while that the way you get Trey Lance meaningful snaps um, in his rookie season is, is that you put him into situational uh, situations. Uh, you know, like, and, and I think we've been using the, the Drew Brees, Taysom Hill uh, example for a while. Well, that was talked about um, openly today by both Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. And then after they, they discussed that and, and what that was like, and uh, we should note that Garoppolo talked to Drew Brees in Southern California yeah, last week. It was, was literally talking to Drew Brees about it. Exactly. You can't script it, right? You can't right. script and this then, any better. And then after he says that to us, we, we go out and we watch this practice in which they do exactly that. They practice kind of moving one quarterback in uh, and the other out during uh, a drive, which is what would happen in a situational thing like like with Drew Brees and uh, Taysom Hill. So it was the first time we've really kind of seen the evidence of what we've all strongly su- suspected was going to be the case this year. I guess really the only question is whether uh, they do that in week one against the Lions. <laughs> and my guess is, um, yes, they will. Uh, the only question is how many snaps per game does uh, Trey Lance get? I, I don't think there's any question at this point that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. He's going to take the lion's share of the snaps against the Lions, ironically, and, and probably the Eagles. The, the only question is just how heavily is that mix and match going to be? And um, for that, at least, I think uh, Kyle Shanahan is keeping his his uh, cards close to his vest. At the very least, the Detroit Lions are going to have a headache of information to think about preparing for week one. And that is why Kyle Shanahan hasn't had to explicitly name a starter because he knows that in this climate of social media where everybody's just going to run to their own confirmation bias with everything that's said, he knows that there's going to be enough noise out there every single time he speaks without giving a, a definitive answer. There'll be enough noise pointing to Trey Lance that the Detroit Lions, I think, inevitably will have to prepare for him. And then he just added fuel to the fire today by literally subbing his quarterbacks in uh, during the drive. But you're exactly right, Matt. That's exactly what we surmised the 49ers might do. I think we even talked on draft night on this podcast right after the 49ers grabbed Trey Lance. And and the first thing we said is they're going to use this guy right away. This guy is raw, but this guy's a skill set that Kyle Shanahan can use right away. Now, where this diverges from the Taysom Hill experiment, to the Taysom Hill project with Drew Brees is that 
Trey Lance can actually throw the football. Trey Lance actually has some level of pocket-style polish. Now, the 49ers are obviously using these preseason games to immerse him in NFL pocket-style football and to, to bring him up to speed because he's not where he needs to be yet to be in there on an every-down basis. But, um, you know, Taysom Hill was a change of pace from Drew Brees, and obviously – Trey Lance is going to be a change of pace from Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's going to be a different kind of change of pace than than we've typically seen in these two quarterback setups. Uh, I think that Shanahan is going to use him uh, analytically. Let's put it that way. And Shanahan has even said this. We have great quotes from Shanahan from the past month, and now we can string them all together. But Shanahan has said, you know, it, you, you want different skill sets amongst all your different receivers and you want to play all your different receivers. You want different skill sets amongst your, your running backs and we play different running backs. I mean, Shan, Mike Shanahan made that famous, right, with the multi-back multi system. And now we see the 49ers with a Trey Sermon role and a Raheem Mostert role. Uh, well, Shanahan said, well, why not take multiple different skill sets and put them into the quarterback room? Leverage the matchups as they come. So Trey Lance, for example, has been excellent in the red zone throughout training camp I think that that might be where you see more of Trey Lance to begin, but I think it's going to go beyond that, Matt. I think that Kyle is going to leverage certain downs and distances and personnel packages to bring the best possible matchups out of his quarterback. And it might not start, you know, full-fledged right away, but I think in practice today we saw that that's where this is heading. We saw an analytically driven matchup approach at the quarterback position, and the 49ers have the luxury to do that since they have two guys they like at the position. Yeah, logic says that it'll probably start out as a smattering of snaps, and um, it, it could go up after that. I mean, the, you know, they're, they're experimenting with that. And, and Garoppolo said today that, uh, he's never kind of uh, done that in the past, and that's exactly what he was talking to, to Breeze about. I don't think Breeze was all that happy uh, having to share a few of his snaps with Taysom Hill, and we should note that that started in 2018, uh, and that Hill's snaps uh, went up pretty steadily over the last three seasons. And and you're right, um, Hill and uh, Trey Lance are, are not the same quarterback. Hill wasn't even drafted. Um, and, and didn't play in a pro-style system at BYU and, and really was a, sort of a special teams ace his, his initial season. Uh, he's just a very physical, strong, powerful guy, not a polished passer. Uh, Trey Lance is much more so. So I, I think you're right about the red zone in particular. I mean, that's not an, an area that I remember Taysom Hill coming in for, for Drew Brees. I think you want Drew Brees in the red zone, but the fact that uh, Trey Lance can run the ball into the end zone, we saw that on a, uh, a two-point conversion on Sunday that was called back uh, by a penalty, uh, and also has been good throwing into the red zone. I, I think that's an, an excellent spot to, to put him um, initially, and that's what uh, I think we're going to end up seeing. Um, whether it's in Detroit or Philadelphia or a little bit later, I don't know, but um, that, that seems like it's a really good plan for a smattering and then a ramp up as Kyle Shanahan sees fit. You know, I, I just think it's so satisfying when you're out there at camp every day, you know, for, for our reporter minds, we, we go out there and we're watching what the 49ers are doing, what they're implementing during training camp, and then you see it actually come to fruition. It doesn't always work that way, right? Especially in the NFL where there is a lot of secrecy. There, there's you know a lot of gamesmanship for obvious reasons because these staffs are waking up at 3.30 a.m. and going to bed at 1, 1 a.m. and throughout the course of the season and trying to one-up each other schematically. So a lot of times the stuff that's open to the media or the public doesn't necessarily give you the, 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 the best script of what's going to move forward. But in this case... So far, it absolutely has. And, you know, we charted Trey Lance during camp and the splits for him and his performance were remarkably varied. So these are the two that I'll give you, Matt. During move the ball portions of practice when Trey was just having to guide the offense up and down the field, much like he would in, in a game from the normal part of the field, not near the red zone. Uh, Trey Lance completed only 48% of his passes. Uh, it was clear that Jimmy Garoppolo was more efficient moving the chains in those situations. Uh, Trey Lance's numbers, you know, just the raw completion percentage and I think just, just the general just the play reminded me a lot of Josh Allen in Buffalo his rookie year when Josh completed about 50% of his passes and it was kind of a boom or bust offense. Like Trey made a lot of great plays, but there wasn't a lot of consistency behind it. However, if you just isolated how Trey Lance performed in the red zone during training camp, 
I understand he didn't operate against Fred Warner. He didn't operate against Jimmy Ward. It was all against the second team in the red zone. But uh, he, he threw more touchdown passes and fewer pass attempts and had a high, uh, than Jimmy Garoppolo, had a higher completion percentage in the red zone, and that's not even counting how many times he ran the ball into the end zone from the red zone. And I think that just shows you that Trey, you know, obviously has some overarching weaknesses, some overarching development that still needs to happen to be a consistent down-in, down-out quarterback. But that, those red zone splits, that red zone play just showed you that this guy can contribute immediately. He's got a skill set that I think can complement Garoppolo's right away. And that's the way that Kyle Shanahan has been viewing his quarterback room. Yeah, and, and the, the run the ball stuff, uh, something that we've been seeing a lot in practice, that's something that they haven't done a lot in the preseason game. So anything that's available to the Lions, um, which is probably what he's going to be doing when he goes into these games, has not been on film yet. So... Um, you know, uh, we, we've known for a while. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has been dropping these hints uh, since draft day, and, and I'm sure that the Lions have suspected for a while that Trey Lance could get in. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. It forces them to prepare for two very different quarterbacks. I mean, you just illustrated that in, in your breakdown of the, of the numbers from training camp. These guys do different things very well. And so, uh, the 49ers are taking advantage of that in two ways. One is um, conceivably they're, they're going to be using Garoppolo for what he does best, which is, you know, basically uh, uh, matriculating the ball down the field, long drives, and, and, and utilizing Lance for what, what he does best, uh, conceivably the red zone stuff. But, you know, at the same time, it's also forcing Detroit to prepare for those two things, two very different quarterbacks. And, and I think that the Lions have, have known that was going to be the case um, all along. The question is, you know, how much do you devote to stopping the read option in week one? How much of your practice week do you devote? And, and maybe really it's the Eagles who are behind the eight ball because the Lions have had a lot of uh, time to prepare for week one. Uh, the week two opponent doesn't have as much time. They've got uh, the three practice days. So maybe that's where the advantage really comes into play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think the advantage can continue to grow over the course of the season as you set different plays up, as Lance becomes more comfortable with different things. I stand by my draft night prediction that there are going to be downs this season where we see both Jimmy and Trey on the field at the same time. I think that's a natural extension of this. Is that more of a gimmick? Yes. I'm not saying that's going to be the standard modus operandi for this team down in and down out, but you do start setting up different situations when you give defensive coordinators a whole plethora of things to think about to where... Yeah, once every 50 downs, you can throw both Jimmy and Trey out there at the same time, and and Kyle can get really creative. You know, it's analytics have taken over baseball. They've taken over basketball, and to a large extent, they they haven't taken over the NFL, but they're big parts of every front office now, including the 49ers front office. And in football, a naturally chaotic, violent, physical sport that you're not going to play on a spreadsheet, um, the analytics have to come through matchups, right? You're you're analyzing where you can isolate an advantage on the field one-on-one or against zone. And, And Kyle Shanahan has done, you know, exploited that aspect of the game uh, probably 
better than any coordinator. I mean, he, he's he's very good at it. We know how good Kyle is at calling these plays, leveraging matchups at different positions. Um, he, he, we see a great example of it with what he's doing at receiver now with the big slot that helps spearhead a, a run game. And, and we know that Kyle's trying to zag when everybody else is zigging as far as the run game. He's one of only two coordinators, play callers in the league that runs over 50% of the time. So um, we, we see all of this, you know, chess, not checkers from Shanahan trying to stay ahead of the league. And I think now, at least while he has Garoppolo under contract, or at least for 2021 until it becomes financially unfeasible, he wants to see what, what, what he can do with it at the quarterback position, especially since Lance still needs some development. And we could we can move more to standard quarterback discussion now. Uh, Trey today at practice, for example, Sailed another ball, intercepted by HaHa Clinton Dix over the middle. It's funny because that's probably a play that doesn't get picked off in the red zone if he sails it too high, right? It goes out the back of the end zone, but this was in the middle of the field, and that's the recurring issue that we've, we've seen, high passes over the middle. So if you're Kyle, you're trying to maximize Trey's booms and minimize the busts, minimize plays like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's that idea that, that Garoppolo would be – in that situation in a game. He'd be the guy marching the, the team down the field, um, and then uh, and then uh, Trey Lance could come in at the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, we saw a little bit of that. And, um, you know, today, David, we saw the the defensive line really almost at its, uh, at, at its you know, uh, full best. Uh, it wasn't the full practice for, for Nick Bosa and, and Dee Ford. But they got the most snaps uh, they have this summer, and both of those guys, at different times, looked really good. Um, you know, Bosa had a nice sack on on Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, first drop back, kind of collapsed the pocket. I, I didn't see him specifically get around Trent Williams, but there he was um, to kind of tag Garoppolo down there for the sack. He also had a play, and this is um, you know this is big for the. Uh, Chris Kosarek uh, defensive ends. It was a running play up the up the middle, and um, Nick Bosa crashed down the line and gave Trey Sermon a, a nice thump. And I watched Bosa after that play, and he kind of did that thing where he kind of hops on his toes, and you could just tell that he felt good. I mean, he did what he needed to do. This was something that he wanted to sort of check off his list, and. Body language-wise, David, he just seemed like uh, you know, like like the the pre-injury Bosa, and I think that's uh, you know, if if quarterback was the one A takeaway today, defensive line, uh, especially Nick Bosa, was one B. Well, we've seen the progress from Bosa first on his Instagram over the course of last season and the off season as he was going through the rehab regimen. And then we've seen him in person here over the past month. And it's been fascinating because early on, he lost a couple of those get-off drills, you know, pounding the sleds with Chris Kacerik over there in that corner of the field. Then a couple weeks ago, uh, he started not losing those drills. Nick Bosa was beating even D Ford on some of those drills. So the timing, the get-off was back, the explosiveness, you know, you could tell that he was really finding his legs. And it was another big milestone on Wednesday. It was the first team drill activity. And the fact that Bosa, on his very first pass rushing attempt, logged a sack, I mean, it doesn't get any more rosier. It doesn't get any rosier than that, does it? You know, as far as uh, optimism about, about his return. And, you know, the last time that we saw Nick Bosa out on the field, what was it, week two of, of 2020, uh, it, it, he was one of the most dominant defensive players in football, uh, even that week one game against Arizona, the 49ers lost every single snap. Nick Bosa is changing the game. I mean, you could ju- you just tell. You, you watch these games. You could see who pops. You can see who's a wrecker, who's that game wrecker out there. The 49ers love to use that word to describe Nick Bosa, and boom, there it was. You know, how about his running mate, though, D. Ford today? Was doing some work on Mike McGlinchey coming from the other edge. We all know about D. Ford's speed move. But the one thing I was a little worried about was some of his power, some of his hand usage because of the back. You know, it, it, it that could put some strain on the back, right? And I thought that his power move today was excellent. I thought he took a page out of Nick Bosa's scissor hands uh, book, you know, and just tied up Mike McGlinchey on one of those pass rushes. It, it felt like 2019 there for a couple of those snaps while Bosa and Ford were both in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I'm sure Mike McGlinchey doesn't expect uh, uh, D. Ford to come at him with a, with a power move like he did. You expect D. Ford to blow around you. And that's that's the, the beauty of having that in your toolkit. 
Um, when when the guy expects you to go one way, you go, you go another. Um, yeah, t- today was a, a really nice practice from then, them. We should note that Javon Kinlaw was also back at practice, and he had a nice play. I don't know who exactly he blew up, but there was a running play where he basically collared, literally uh, collared uh, Raheem Mostert in the backfield and, and sort of blew that up. So uh, he's got fresh legs. He, he dealt with uh, a knee issue initially and then a shoulder issue. He's been kind of training on the side, and you could just tell that he's been itching to get back onto the field. <laughs> he was... You probably uh, heard this, or maybe you didn't because you were on the uh, the other side, but uh, that last practice with the Chargers, uh, it got a little bit chippy on the on the 49ers defensive side of things, and it was Javon Kinlaw who sort of kind of wandered over from where he was doing his rehab work that was doing the most uh, mouthing off. So uh, you could tell that he was eager to get back into the fold, and, and really there were, there were a couple starters that were out today. It was Dre Greenlaw and Jason Barrett. Um, I don't think either of those guys is, is, has anything serious. But this was the first day that really the, the, the team, the, the 22 starters that you expect to be on the field when that Lions game begins, were out there today. And, and most of those guys were making plays. So uh, I think that has to make Kyle Shanahan feel good that, you know, unlike last year. Remember, at, at this time of year last year, Debo Samuel had the foot issue. And I think Brandon Ayuk had uh, had strained a hamstring. They had all those issues at center. Uh, it really was already an incomplete lineup uh, heading into week one. And then they lost George Kittle, uh, a couple of other small injuries. And then, of course, week two happened. Um, you know, knock on wood, uh, that, that can change. Uh, we saw that with Jarek McKinnon in t- 2018. But... Um, today, like I said, it, there, there was a vibe out there that, okay, our gang is together, and it's a pretty strong gang uh, if they keep it together going into September 12th. Well, it's a perfect time for the mend to be happening because the 49ers are now on a regular season cadence. Training camp is officially over. That concluded with the practices against the Chargers, and now the 49ers are in that final dress rehearsal preseason game, and that means that they're treating this week just like they would any week of the regular season when there's a game on Sunday. That means Wednesday practice, same time, 12 to 25 or 1.25 p.m., whatever time it started today. I think Kyle was sometime between 12 and 1, and then practice gets going shortly after that. Thursday practice. Friday practice and then Saturday is off, you know, what whatever walkthrough or how, how they do that. And then Sunday game. So they're going to try to play as many starters as they can against the Raiders. They're not going to be in there for the full 60 minutes, but I think we'll get a healthy amount of starter action just so the team can find its rhythm with everybody back in place. Because you've been practicing for a while now, but not everybody has been in the same spot, right? You've had Bosa doing some extra rehab work and you know, not participating in team drills. You've been implementing individual pieces of the quarterback plan for Garoppolo and Lance, but you've yet to put it all together. That's going to be fascinating, right? On Sunday, I think the 49ers do need to actually execute the dress rehearsal part of how they're going to run the quarterback room. Maybe not the exact plays they're going to run, but you have to get used to Jimmy coming into the game, Trey coming into the game, subbing in for each other if you're ever going to do that in the regular season because there's a thing called the game clock and you don't want this to turn into a bunch of delay of game penalties. That would be a total disaster. So I think that, you know, this will be a matter of gluing everything together in this dress rehearsal on Sunday. Yeah, and that, that also kind of explains something that John Lynch said before the the game the other day against the Chargers, uh, he he got interviewed on KPIX and and they asked him of course what's the the quarterback plan. He said that uh, Garoppolo was going to play a series, and then um, Lance was going to play two series, and then Garoppolo was going to come back in. And I'd never heard of that before, and, and of course it didn't turn out that way. But now um, it it makes sense. I mean. You know, one of the things that Garoppolo was talking about was the difficulty and something he discussed with Drew Brees of of being the guy who starts the game, who plays 20 plays and then is out for three, four plays. Um, yeah, apparently, that's not as kind of elementary as it, as, it's, it, as it sounds when I say it for a starter. And so I, I, I suppose that Garoppolo has to sort of get used to that dynamic kind of. 
uh, warming up, getting into a rhythm, then getting out of that rhythm, and then getting right back into that rhythm. Uh, and, and something he's got to practice. And, and, and of course, there's the just the mechanics of it. Uh, and, and that's probably what we'll see against the Raiders. Um, you're right. I mean, they're n- they're not going to reveal any of the the special plays that uh, Lance is going to run. They probably won't do what we were describing earlier, just the the sheer uh, situational aspect of it. Uh, but the mechanics of it, you know, bringing one guy in, bringing the other guy out, having the you know the, the radio receivers working in alignment, all that stuff needs to go into it. And uh, Shanahan today said it's something that they've got to practice. Going to be fascinating. I, I just, I eat this up. This is, it's so cool because it feels innovative. Uh, obviously, we talk about Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, similar things have been tried before, but I really do think that when you zoom out, look at the big picture, look at this. The 49ers invested a ton of draft capital to get Trey Lance, but at the same time, they bent over backwards to carve out enough salary cap space to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. So they wanted both of these guys for the 2021 season. So they're, they're going out of their way, valuing both of these players highly, at least for the short term, to, to make this work. And then you talk all day about the creative mind that Kyle Shanahan is, and he's going to try to leverage both of those things. And we might see a dynamic that, that, that we haven't seen before. And that, that's all we can ask for when we're covering a football team. Definitely not going to be bored. Um, boy, wow. So anyway, that's the quarterback situation. I think that we'll probably know more when we see our final practice a little bit later on today. Uh, then it shuts down. So then, you know, we're just going to be relying on games. But that's going to be the same issue for the 49ers players on the roster bubble, Matt. They're going to run out of practices soon here to prove their worthiness of being on the 53-man roster. Cut down is next Tuesday. That means that really the final audition is this game against the Raiders. And there are a few players that we need to talk about. And I guess the first one is is a guy who did make a couple plays today, Jalen Hurd. Uh, what do you think he has to do? And, and how do you think the 49ers approach this? Because there's so many different variables since he's been hurt one day, healthy the next. You know, I'm not really sure how this is all going to go, but uh, it's put up or shut up time for Jalen Hurd. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing that decides it is how does his knee react? I mean, uh, he had a pretty extensive practice today. Um, uh, ostensibly, he's going to practice uh, on on uh, Thursday and Friday as well, and then play in the game. So that's that's a regular work week. And so um, the question is, how does that uh, how does the knee react to that? Uh, you know, first, can he get through the practice week? And then, second, how does how does the uh, the knee react uh, after the game? And if there's a hiccup. I mean, I just don't know if, if this team can rely on him. I mean, you, you have to be able to get through uh, one or two practices without having to take the next one off. I mean, that's just the, the name of the game. But on the flip side of things, I mean, we saw today what he could mean to this team. Um, he, he did have a nice catch and then got thumped uh, at the sideline by Joukowsky Tart and then lined up in the backfield a couple of times. I mean, obviously, it's something he's got experience doing, having been a, a tailback at the University of Tennessee. Uh, but he, he took a carry on one of those. So it, 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 he's just perfect for the Kyle Shanahan system, for what Shanahan wants to do, um, everything. You get a lot of bang for your buck from him, but he just has to kind of get over this, this knee issue. And um, he hasn't spoken to us I don't think he's spoken to us since uh, 2019. So uh, it, it's hard to gauge uh, exactly what he's going through, uh, what the pain is like, what the discomfort is like. But if he's not able to get through this week, and I'm saying this after he got a good 10 days off of practice, uh, then it's it's hard to see him um, you know, having a permanent spot, at least, on that 53-man roster. And it gets complicated because... If he's not fully healthy, if this keeps on reverting back to oh, the D tendonitis is still bothering him, I don't know exactly how the designations and the physicals and all that work, but it would be it would make sense that the 49ers might have to waive him with an injury designation, right? If he's not fully healthy at the time of of the 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 the, the waiving, and if that is the case then they'd still be on the hook for his salary if nobody claims him, 
right? If he reverts to IR, if nobody claims him. And that is like a $600,000 deal, Matt. That's the, the difference between Hurd's salary here in 2021 and, and the dead money that would be left over if they successfully waived him is $600,000. And this is a team that has less than a million dollars in salary cap space right now. So th- there's there's a demand to get some return on investment from Jalen Hurd or at least for him to be fully healthy so the 49ers can get a clean evaluation and if they don't like it, they can waive him. But if he yeah. goes back to being a little hurt, I think this gets a little shady, gets a little complicated. Yeah, the, the whole thing's complicated because you do have some other receivers at, at the end of the uh, of the roster um, who can do some of the things that he does. I, I think he's far and away the most talented of that group, but you've got Juwan Jennings who's kind of uh, making a, a push for um, – one of those last receiver spots, and we should note that he didn't play against the Chargers, and he didn't practice uh, on uh, on Wednesday either uh, with a heel injury, and um, that was supposed to be a small injury, and now he's missed a few days here. So I don't I don't know if there's any sort of roster shenanigans going on where the 49ers are kind of trying to keep him out of the uh, uh, of games because they want to try to get him through to the practice squad or what. Uh, so he's one. And then another guy who's sort of interesting is, is Jordan Matthews, who's uh, in competition probably with, with Michael Pruitt for that number four tight end spot, uh, but also has a, a background as a receiver. So could he kind of fill in as that, that big slot, that you know, de facto number six receiver on this team? Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's eager. He's looked good. Uh, he, he's a guy that I, I think you, you probably want on this roster in one way, shape, or form because uh, he gives you a little bit of everything. But um, th- these are all kind of question marks that, uh, that they're going to have to a- uh, answer by 1 p.m. on Tuesday. And I, I forget when you and I were talking about this, but uh, I, I think we both agreed that maybe this is the year, the first year in the Shanahan era, that, that maybe they go with only two uh, quarterbacks on the active roster, and they try to get Nate Sudfeld to the practice squad um, just so that they ha- have a little bit more wiggle room um, for question marks like that. You know, got, you got, you'd got love to keep an extra offensive lineman. You'd love to keep an extra defensive lineman. Um, and, uh, and and that might allow you to do one of those two things. Well, remember 2017, Matt, he went with two QBs out of the gate. He went with uh, Hoyer and Bethard uh, to start and Mullins on the practice squad. Yeah, then they added 17. some guy in October. Well, Tom Savage came in, right, at some point one of those years. I forgot if that was seven. No, I don't think that was 17. I think that was 18. I was talking about Garoppolo coming in. Uh, oh, you know, oh, that's yeah, right. They, that they that got totally of, flew uh, over my head. <laughs> yeah, no, but they, they did get rid of Hoyer right as they brought right Garoppolo You got swiped by the Patriots, right. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like a complete idiot now. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm like, oh, are you talking about Tom Savage? Because he he was in and out for a while, but I think that was until 18. So yeah, I can't even remember Savage. Yeah, I think they roughed up Savage pretty good. The 49ers defensive line did in the game against the Texans in 2017. That was, I believe, Garoppolo's second start. First, it was Chicago, then it was Houston, and I think you know, obviously, the 49ers won that game because they won all five with Jimmy that year, but. Um, I think Savage was the Texans' quarterback in that game because Deshaun Watson had torn his ACL that year. So that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, wow. Um, yeah. Memories there. So yeah, Garoppolo came in in late October, early November of that 2017 season. Took him a little bit to pick up the playbook enough to protect himself. Right. That's what that was the standard for Kyle Shanahan because he certainly couldn't count on the line to do it that year. The Fort Anders had a just an injured sieve of a line. I mean, they, it was it was rough. Remember, Garrett Selleck almost had to play tackle that year. That's how bad it got. Right the day before they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, in Philadelphia. That was kind of the nadir for the the regime before stuff started getting better. So it's, it's just a fascinating kind of course of history, but that was the two-quarterback time back then, and now we may have to see it again just because there are so many different junctures at this roster at this potential 53-man roster where the 49ers have got to be tempted to carry an extra player and at each time that you have to carry an extra player at a certain position there's a trade-off somewhere else so one of the logical places to think that you might pay for the trade-off of carrying an extra guy somewhere else is quarterback and Nate Sudfeld by the way people should know 
he signed a contract with a $252,000 guarantee. That is not an accidental amount. If you divide 252000 by 18, and there's going to be 18 weeks in the season. I want to make sure I get this math right. So 252 divided by 18, it comes out to exactly $14,000 per week. The minimum practice squad salary for veterans is or the actually is $14,000 per week. That's the standard practice squad salary. So basically what the 49ers did when they signed Nate Sudfeld is they gave him a contract that guaranteed him the exact amount of money to be on the practice squad for the season. Sudfeld is also a vested veteran, so he doesn't have to go through waivers. Nobody else can pick him up. So essentially the 49ers have a pre-existing deal with Nate Sudfeld that said, you will at least be on our practice squad. Maybe you can earn more. Maybe we'll want you on the active roster, but you will at least be on the practice squad in, in essence, right? And because of that, you have to think, oh, yeah, practice squad is a real possibility. And if that happens, maybe they can carry, I told you this today at practice, a ninth offensive lineman. Maybe Jake Brendel, who's been good this training camp, backup center, will be able to be on the 53-man roster. And what that does is, in the event of an Alex Mack game day injury, the 49ers only disrupt one position, right? So Brendel, for example, would file in at center, and Dan Brunskill could stay at right guard. If you don't have Jake Brendel on the active roster, if you don't have a true backup center, Dan Brunskill would have to shift over to center, and an entirely new right guard would have to come in. And you'd disrupt two positions, and Kyle Shanahan might consider that a game-wrecking possibility. So he'd rather carry only two quarterbacks and have flexibility at center or add flexibility somewhere else. But these are the types of decisions that the 49ers are going to have to make, and I think there are like three or four of them around the roster, so uh, they might want to buy themselves a, a couple extra spots through maneuvers like the quarterback position. Well, let's go over the offensive line. I mean, uh, let's, let's just uh, talk about the numbers there. You've got uh, Trent Williams at left tackle. You've got Lakin Tomlinson at left guard. You've got Alex Mack at center. You've got Brunskill. He's, gonna, he's the clear right guard uh, to start the season, and you've got McGlinchey. That's, that's your starting five. And we know that, uh, you know, uh, Banks is going to make the, the roster. We know that McKivitz probably is going to make the roster. And uh, we know that Jalen Moore, who's right now the, the swing tackle, is going to make the roster. So that's that's your eight right there. And, and, and Shanahan said the other day when he was, uh, I think the question was about Jalen Moore, um, he purposely said, we're going to keep eight or nine. Um, and and, and that's, uh, that's a question mark. So if, if the number is nine, who is number nine? And, and uh, that, that's a great argument for, for Jake Brendel. Uh, I think the 49ers would love to have seen Sean Coleman um, show more in this training camp because, uh, you know, obviously they wouldn't uh, ordinarily love a, a rookie like Jalen Moore being the swing tackle. And in fact, they, they'd love to have him playing guard. It's probably not going to happen this year because he's needed at tackle. Uh, but I, I wonder whether there is room for, for Sean Coleman as sort of that emergency tackle. Um, you know, I think uh, with the relaxed practice squad rules again in effect this year, they can basically keep anybody on the practice squad. Uh, so if, if either Brendel or Coleman don't make it, uh, those guys will, will they'll at least attempt to keep them around on that 16-man practice squad and, and probably one more offensive lineman as well. Um, everybody's always kind of wondering if there's going to be a, a good offensive lineman cut uh, by one of these other teams that the, the 49ers can kind of pounce on. It's probably not going to happen because the uh, if, if Chargers Week told us anything, it's that other teams are just as bad on their backup lines as the 49ers, and the Chargers' backup lines were not good either in practice or in the game. So I think that is very much a league-wide issue. And uh, I wouldn't count on any uh, uh, possible starters at right guard being available. They, they, they would probably have to do something that they did with Tomlinson back in 2017, which is trade for somebody uh, to come in. But uh, th that's unlikely as well. I'll tell you what's not an issue is line depth on the other side of the ball for the 49ers. Just completely loaded along the defensive line. We have seen the fruits of that acquisition labor already uh, through the preseason, through the practices against that weak Chargers offensive line. And that was before Nick Bosa was even back, before D Ford was really playing a bulk of, of his projected snap total. 
uh, this year that we see him building up toward now. Uh, it's It's been impressive to see this 49ers defensive line work. And they, they did take a hit against the Chargers. Maurice Hurst, acquisition from the Raiders, one of their many defensive tackles, suffered a high ankle sprain. You're not a 49er until you suffer a high ankle sprain. <laughs> right. You're in the club. Them's the rules right there, right? But uh, he's in the club, uh, and the 49ers uh, very, very apparently want to keep him. Uh, and it's, it's going to be a little tricky, but it's going to be doable. The thing is uh, – you can't just put him on IR right now because if you do that, he's ineligible to return this season. So he has to make the original 53-man roster. But that leads to another issue, the one that we were just talking about. That means you take a valuable roster spot away from somebody else, and this team already has enough log jams to begin with. So it appears that the 49ers will carry Hurst on that initial 53-man roster and the trick that they're going to use to get around the corresponding problem is they got to find a veteran somebody uh, somewhere else that they can come to a wink-wink agreement with, uh, and that means release him and then sign him back the next day or right after they uh, put Hurst on IR and, and reopen the spot. So you just have to do that with somebody you trust, you know, veteran that won't turn around and sign with somebody else when he leaves. But um, I I do think the 49ers are going to have to do at least one of those types of maneuvers. They hope they don't have to do many more, but with Hurst, it's it's clear. He's injured. He'll be able to come back this season, but you've got to do something to to make it work roster-wise to keep him around. Yeah, I wonder whether Ha Ha Clinton Dix would be that uh, wink-wink type of veteran. Somebody like that. Uh, uh, Normally, I would have said Sanu might do that, but he's too... He's too high up in the uh, uh, the order there. He's the, basically their number three wide receiver. So I, I, I don't think that they could. I, I don't think that they would do that to him. Um, but um, you know, it, it would be somebody like that who would kind of have that agreement. I, I wanted to ask you your your thoughts about Arden Key and, and whether he makes the initial roster. Um, you've, you've got Nick Bosa looking fantastic on Wednesday. Uh, all signs point to him uh, starting in uh, against the Lions, but I, I would be surprised if Bosa, you know, logs I don't know 60 snaps, uh, you know, 90% of the snaps or something, whatever his usual rate is. Um, I, I would think that they would kind of uh, work or ease him back into a full snap count, and probably the same with Ford as well. And and you're able to do that uh, to some degree with uh, with having Samson Ebicom there, but do they need a a fourth pure defensive end um, on the initial roster, or can Eric Armstead take enough snaps? Um, I don't know who else could. Uh, Contavious Street has done that in the past, but I don't think they want to keep doing that with him now uh, to sort of uh, ease the the other uh, defensive ends who are coming back. Um, th- that to me is sort of a, a question mark. I don't know if if Arden Key would be snapped up. Uh, my my thought is that he wouldn't, but uh, it, he's he's sort of a question mark in my mind for that initial fifty three. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that yet. My initial response is that the style that Chris Kasarik has implemented with the 49ers is a just come at you and wave style. I mean, these guys are playing one hundred twenty miles an hour on every single snap, and then you see these 49ers defensive lines really suffer when they are hit by injuries, when they are depleted because they're no longer able to come with the same velocity and the same vigor later in games when, when they don't have that wave after wave capability. Great example, week 17 at Seattle in 2019. Remember the 49ers were beaten up heading into that game. They had to sign Anthony Zettel. I mean, they, they were really starting to play and uh, – trying to patch patch their way through right they're just trying to survive and advance and they shut down seattle in the first half i don't think the seahawks scored a point i think they might have shut them out in the first half of that game uh just with really overpowering defensive line play but then the 49ers straight up ran out of gas in the second half and we saw that happen a lot in the back half of that 2019 season when d ford was out when ronald blair was out when the 49ers had lost a lot of those those edge pieces right so my argument is that, and it's very clear, I think, from the personnel acquisition standpoint, the 49ers are trying to load up on that defensive line so that they can continue coming in waves the way they did throughout the first half of 
2019 and then to a lesser extent through the through the playoffs maybe the Super Bowl I don't want to bring this up because people are going to puke but the Super Bowl the defensive line lost steam at the end of the game yes maybe Bosa was being held I get it but still undeniably the defensive line which was at that point minus Ronald Blair minus DJ Jones uh, you know minus key players that had helped them early in the season they had lost some steam late in the game. So I think for the 49ers to deliver a 60-minute effort up front at the 120 miles per hour that Chris Kacarek wants them to play with, they need as many bodies as possible. That's why I see them carrying 10 defensive linemen, and I think that Arden Key is going to be part of that mix. That That's just me speaking from a depth standpoint. Uh, of this team, I, I do think they want to they want to have him there, and maybe Matt too. The fact that Bosa and Ford will be playing their first games in a long time in Week One, I think that might even accentuate the need for carrying more edges. You know, just to make sure they don't go crazy on a sixty to seventy snap count too early. Um, but that's just my gut feeling. Uh, you you might know more about how Kasarek and Washburn and, you know, that whole defensive line works. But to me, it seems that depth is just so important. No, I, I agree with you. And, and I think with, with Hurst uh, being on the shelf for at least, uh, I don't know, uh, three or four weeks to begin the season, uh, that becomes more realistic that, you, that, uh, that, that Arden Key makes it. And, and one guy we haven't talked about is, is Jordan Willis, who had a really nice game against the Chargers. And he's going to be unavailable, uh, suspended for the first six games, but, you know, to, to your point about this team sort of um, winding down or, or slowing down uh, defensive line-wise at the end of the season, he's a guy that's going to be able to come in. And, and, you know, I'm sure the 49ers will want to make sure that he's in tip-top shape and doesn't pull a hamstring or a calf or one of those things. But um, uh, on, on paper, conceivably, he'll, he'll come in at midseason and, and be able to give this team that that sort of lift that they might need to kind of carry through to uh, ideally the postseason. So um, he's another potential defensive end. By then, I'm sure uh, injuries will have set in. So uh, it's uh, I'm sure they didn't want the suspension, but uh, it's something that I think that uh, they can kind of build into their uh, 17 game. We should note that too. There's a, a 17th game this season. Uh, that that season long plan. Yeah, for Jordan Willis, it it's a tough deal because he doesn't get paid for those first six games. But I think you're exactly right from the 49ers' perspective. I said this after the Chargers game. Defensive lineman number 11 and 12 on this team, in my mind, were Kentavious Street and Jordan Willis. Uh, you're in good shape along the defensive line if those are lineman number 11 and 12. And naturally, if you can only take 10, I mean, I guess you could bend it and take 11 if you had to, but Assuming 10 is your cap, uh, you got some tough decisions to make. You got some roster squeezing to do, and the Willis suspension combined with the Hurst injury almost does the roster squeezing for, for the 49ers there in a way. You don't like to see either of those two things happen, but the reality is that this team has a, has a glut at that position right now, and the reality also is that that glut might not last because – a 17-game NFL season takes its toll, especially on the guys in, in the trenches. So getting a reinforcement week seven with Willis, maybe getting a reinforcement around the same time with Maurice Hurst, those are two things the 49ers are going to really love. They're getting some wind uh, blowing at the back of their sails uh, a few games into the season. F- final position I wanted to talk about is the secondary because we saw Jaquaski tart come back to practice. Uh, Tavon Wilson's done, by all accounts, a good job for the 49ers veteran safety in Tart's stead uh, opposite Jimmy Ward. We're not sure if Tart's going to survive the week of practice yet. We don't know where exactly his conditioning level is at. Uh, but obviously the goal, if everything goes well, uh, would be for Jaquaski start the Jaquaski uh, start <laughs> uh, to start <laughs> alongside uh, Jimmy Ward. And if if that happens, what what are the roster permutations here? I think Tavon Wilson has proven to be just dependable veteran depth. I think the 49ers definitely keep him. Obviously, Talanoa Fongos earned a spot as, as, a, as le- at least a reserve safety. Uh, it's tough, though, because HaHa Clinton Dix has been coming along. He's already intercepted Trey Lance twice. So he's, he's a veteran, and, and he's a guy that I think you'd love to have on your team. I just don't know if you can carry – five safeties so that's another spot right now where 
with Tart coming back, perhaps unexpectedly to some, there might be a bit of an embarrassment of riches for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, I think we were reaching the, the point of no return for Tchaikovsky Tart as far as being able to kind of get back into the fold and, and get ready to play in week one. Uh, and, and, and maybe he kind of felt that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you observed him doing some, some good running on the side, uh, when, when we were in Southern California over the last couple of days. And I mean, I, I feel like, uh, Clinton Dix would be sort of a, a perfect, uh, practice squad guy. I mean, and, and he probably likes his chances too, uh, of, of starting out on the practice squad and then, uh, perhaps being bumped up at some point. Uh, again, 17 games. Uh, Joukowsky Tart has not made it through a full season the last, what has it been, four, five years? He gets hurt a lot. Uh, so uh, I, I think if uh, Haha Clinton Dix is sort of uh, looking at things, um, he, he might figure that uh, this, this is a good opportunity. And, and, and Tony Jefferson is there as well. Again, it's another kind of veteran guy, but uh, they, they obviously wanted that veteran backstop back there. Uh, and I think it's because they, you know, they they just can't requ- uh, depend on Jukowski Tart to be to be healthy all season. I think he's very much their their first choice if he is healthy, uh, but they're they're skeptical about him going 17 games. Um, and and you know uh, Jimmy Ward as well. I mean Jimmy Ward throws his body around. He's got an injury history as well. Although uh, uh, it, it hasn't really been an issue the last two seasons, uh, but it is in the background. These guys are right around 30. So, um, yeah, the, the more experience you have back there, I think the better. And, and they've got that in, in Tavon Wilson and Clinton Dix. Well, uh, 49ers Raiders on Sunday. It doesn't technically count, but don't tell that to a lot of the fans in the stands. I'm sure it will be a, a very uh, nice and serene environment out there on Sunday. But the Raiders, uh, Raiders fans of the Bay Area, they don't have a chance to – uh, see their team play in the Bay Area anymore outside of this game. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of them. I'm sure there'll be a lot of 49ers fans. I'm sure it'll be rowdy. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun because uh, the starters are going to be playing for a significant amount of time. And everything that we just covered over the past 50 minutes, uh, maybe it will take another step forward as far as the tracking and the development of this fascinating 49ers preseason goes. Anyway... For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. Join us next time after the Niners play the Raiders next week on Here's the Catch.